This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. We serve a very faithful God. I think it's right for us to just celebrate that is faithfulness. Faithfulness means that he's always there for us. He's always there. He does not change position. No, he does not. The very angle that he has turned to you, the angle of love, of kindness, of mercy, he doesn't change it. Oh, we're so grateful, Lord. Thank you, faithful God. Great is your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, in your mercy I see. this morning. Take it right now.
It is well. It is well. Brother, it is well. Sister, it is well. Because the Lord has said so. Oh, how we thank you, Lord Jesus. How we praise you today. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Demons we have to bow. In your situation and circumstances, in us, nation and nations, the kingdom of God shall be established. In our affairs, the kingdom of God shall be established. Maybe you are there, it's looking like an insurmountable mountain. He's the one who moves mountain. You move mountain. <laughs> you cause the There is nothing as impossible that we stand in here only because you may He will make a way. He has promised He will make a way for you. There will be an advancement. There will be no retardation. You will break forth. You will break through in the name of Jesus. It may look hard, it may look impossible, but you have heard it, there is nothing impossible with him. The God of all possibilities in the house, and he will help you, and his name shall be glorified. Thank you once again, Father. We pray that in the next few minutes you will speak to us. It's not in the length of the multitude of the world, us in the accompany power. Let power go forth right now. Let your word work. Let ground be broken. Let God be glorified. Do something in our lives today, Lord. At the end of it, we shall return the worship and the honor and praise to you. In Jesus' marvelous name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Once again, nice to have you together. Just in the next few minutes, we'll share from the scriptures, and then we will um, just have one or two prayer points to pray. Um, a few announcements ahead it may come up in the usual news study one, but please be aware, on Wednesday, by the grace of God, we're having the drama festival here. Please avail yourself of the opportunity to be here. It's going to be glorious, and uh, invite others as well. 6 p.m., we will be starting, but before then, there will be some run-up until eight, so please get yourself um, logged on in time. And also, from tomorrow, by the special grace of God, have you heard, uh, we want to thank God for the tremendous blessing we've received in the month of August, since we started all the ministers of God, the variety of anointing and expression of the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given unto us in this month of divine breakthrough or divine provision, divine provision. And so, uh, but tomorrow, by the grace of God, we'll continue, and um, the last eight days uh, will be impactful. There will be a lot of prayer for impartation and breakthrough, so please don't miss out. And I'm sure God that has started with us uh, will be with us. We don't know whether we, we take this one beyond the month of August. We're still asking the Lord what to do. So please, please uh, take it as the rounding up for now. Um, so whatever it is, please don't miss it. 
um, 10 o'clock, about, about 10 minutes to 10, we start the worship and be there. All right, please turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 37. <clears throat> John chapter 3, verse 37. It says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Uh, if you want to title the message, I'll tell you straight away, just um, title it, Come. One thing I've noticed from the scripture is that God is more in the business of inviting us to come that we are in the process of looking out for him. It may not look like that to you, but sometimes we do assume and maybe presumptuously that we are the one that we're actually looking for God. How can you look for God and find him? <laughs> he's, too, he's too big, he's too far, and yes, he's too near. So it's not so much about us looking for God. So when we talk of divine provision, perish the thought that you are the one that you are seeking God. He's the one that is inviting you. If you can do a short study for yourself in the scriptures and look at the places in which God is talking, telling people, come. Um, Matthew chapter 11, I think, verse 29. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And sprinkle all through the scripture. God is always saying, come, 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 come. And so please... Let's have that settled first of all because there's a world of difference from when somebody is asking you to call with, if you compare that with when you are the one trying to reach the person. The person that is asking you to come, number one, has got something ready for you. The person is waiting for you. The person has something in mind. Different from you trying to look for God. And when I look through the scripture, let me read quite a few scriptures for you. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19, verse 10. Luke 19, verse 10. Uh, John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and the fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask the Father in my name may give unto you. You prepare a table before me, the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cups runs over. It shall come to pass that before the call I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and you who will have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. All from scripture, a tiny, a minuscule aspect of scripture I've read unto you. Telling you that God is the one that is waiting for you and I. And so it's important for us to now take a little bit of a pivot away from that and look at who is this person that is asking you to come. After all, at the end of the day, that will determine whatever you're going to get. It's a different thing when your mate is calling you. It's a different thing when a very powerful person in the society is calling you. But who is this God that is asking you and I to come? And now, before we go on, let me, let me encourage us about something concerning knowledge. Because the whole bulk of the sermon today will be about just sharing the knowledge of this God. Uh, surprise, surprise. I was asking Lord why that was. He said, well, if they have the right knowledge of me, they will have the right attitude towards me. If they have the right attitude towards me, they will then be on the right side of faith and they can receive something from him. Don't ever think that you know enough of God to start with. 
And anyway, knowledge is so central that anyone who will make anything in life, it will depend on the amount of knowledge you have. And many times, we keep talking about where knowledge is important, wisdom, but you need to have knowledge. Knowledge is very, very central. And that's why, please, I beg of you, read books. Is that okay? Listen to many sources of information. You can only make you better. You must know things. Apart from knowing things, you must know people. Please understand people. Know and understand people. Relationships are based on, on knowledge and understanding. Why do relationships break that people don't know each other? They know only one aspect of the person. Oh, he's a very hard person. She does not like this. She does not. But when you know the person better, relationship gets better. So knowledge is very, very central. Uh, many things that are happening to people and many relationships that are breaking, that they are breaking down simply based on the fact that people just don't know each other. They, don't, they, 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 they are on totally different planets. He said, but that's not what I meant. He said, but how will I know what you meant? Well, you don't know me. You've not taken time to know me. <laughs> uh, I, I can spend a whole lot of time on that issue of knowledge. I'm just discovering now. I get along better with people because I tend to know them. I know those that are very difficult. I know those that are very fearful. And so rather than think the person is just being cantankerous or that being difficult, he's just fearful because I know the person. Because many times you keep saying, or some people they look down. Sometimes I go for a walk. I see somebody. I used to take offense. I greet, why are you not answering me? I say, well, I don't know him. It might be the person is going through stuff. <laughs> so knowledge is very important. And so before uh, I, I go, you know, take us a little bit deeper how to know God. And the, the knowledge of God above all, I mean, I was trying to use the example of knowing people, but above all, the knowledge of God is very central onto how much you will get from God. Do you know, when I look at it carefully in the scripture, that Job got what he got from God because he knew God? Do you know that? Turn with me. Put that on the screen for us to see, please, if you may. Job chapter 19, verse 25. <clears throat> Job was Job because of what he knew. You'll be surprised. Because you might think that he just has some resilience. Job chapter 19, verse 25. For, did you see it on your screen? For what? I know. <laughs> that was the secret. Job eventually came through because what? I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at the last on the earth. I think the good news, Bible, you may not have it, says, but I know there is someone in heaven who will come at last to my defense. The good news Bible version says, but I know that there is someone in heaven. I know. I just know it that somebody is in heaven. May God grant understanding of his ways. Do you know Paul, the apostle, was Paul because of what he knew? Oh, yes, he was. The very first day came to know Jesus Christ as, you know, he, the man was not asking the question of, who are you looking? He said, who art thou, Lord? That was his first statement. He said, who art thou, Lord? And that marked the rest of his life. It's all about, I knew Jesus. I knew him. More than you people, they have a different, I'm not just talking about the cliche kind of knowing. And the man was not satisfied that even up to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he was still not satisfied about just knowing. So I'm spending time today, if we can achieve about, I've got three or so there that I have out of the five. It started with five, pruning that to three. If I can finish on one, by the time the time is up, that's fine. But at least we will have known God deeper in that sense. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. What did the same Paul say? Just to let you know. That I may what? 
know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. May God reveal himself to you and I. May we know him. You've heard of Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 before, haven't you? Daniel 11, 32. They that know their God, they shall what? They shall be strong and they shall do exploits. So, we will talk a little bit about the knowledge of God. Even Jesus Christ, in John chapter 8, verse 55, John chapter 8, verse 55, practically was relishing and telling the, 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 the people, the, the, the church establishment in those days, yet you have not known him, but what? I know him. That's the contrast between you and I was telling them. The difference is not even that you don't want to serve God. It's just knowledge. You don't know God. If you know God, there are things that you are doing you won't do. There are fears that you are having that you won't have. There are thoughts that I'm having that I won't have. Because most of our knowledges are based upon what people have told us about God. It's about time that I want to say. And see the testimony of our brother, Brother Mecca. Very straightforward. He said, look, I know. I know God when it comes to job issues. In my life, God comes through. That, that was somebody of what he was saying. He said, forget about it. Some other things I may not yet be there yet. But if it is job, ah, forget it. Well, don't worry. That was essentially all. He just knew God. <laughs> he knew that in the area that as far as he's concerned, there are areas of my life that I can go to sleep like that, like that, a brother. And so our knowledge of God is very central. Amen? And so it will also determine what we receive from God. This is not a theoretical thing. It's a very, very practical thing. And I pray God himself will help you and I in the name of Jesus Christ. So who is this God who says come? Who is this God who says come? Amen? Number one, this God who has said come to you is great. Somebody say great. Great. Is what? Is great. Wherever you are, say God is great. <laughs> now, the scripture, if I were to list the number of references in the scripture that talks about the greatness of God, time will fail me. But what I heard as an impression in my heart is that I should not talk so much about that, but encourage everybody to discover the greatness of God. Great by what standard? Studies have shown that everybody can only assess a particular thing based on their experience and what they have been exposed to. So when we say God is great, let's start from there. Let's start from the general or to the specific. In the general sense of it, God is great. Greater than who? Great like who? And so, for instance, when I was growing up, there was a man up the road from my town. His house was big. <laughs> we call that house big because it was a two-story building. If I remember very well, I had the opportunity to go there because I think it was a friend of my father and a very funny man he was when he is, just to show his weight. Anyway, the big house I was talking about had just about four rooms, anyway, for your information, but it's in two floors. And none of the rooms is particularly bigger than the average room, but it was a big house, comparatively. It had a big garden. But that was my exposure. Until, and I've mixed so many stories, there's so many things going in my head. So anyway, the man was very funny. I went to his house one day just to show his bigness, and then his table, I, I went with my dad, and um, we met him during dinner time. Um, and on the table, he had about four varieties of food. He had rice, he had 
you know, talk and swallow on, <laughs> on Wednesday. And all sorts on the table. And um, everybody knew we were coming. And being a young boy, and I, th I, th I think my mom knew where we were going to. So she made sure that I ate before I went. So I didn't disgrace them there. But the man's house, by all standards, was great. His stable, by my understanding, then was great. Until I stepped out of my little confines and I went to the bigger city. I started seeing big, big houses. And then even somebody, uh, me, uh, uh, somebody was mentioning sometimes that which part of town do I live? I mentioned to the person, and he said, ah, well, that's a very nice area of town. He said, there are very big houses. I said, no. I said, that, the area that you're talking about is a little bit remote from my own area. <laughs> because if you look at my area, that's an area in which the houses, they are big. Amen. I mean, they are big. Um, they put us a little bit in the periphery of that one. Hallelujah. And I was telling one of my friends, he came all the way down from, 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 from down south in the northern part of England to visit many years ago, and uh, I decided they came to do some other things. So I was taking him to, to where I was living. So being modern technology, I was speaking to him in the car, and uh, while I was showing him Aberdeen, and I said, this is the west end of Aberdeen because we're driving out. He said, this, the houses here, they cost average of one million uh, and more. And uh, he said, wow, he said, wow. Uh, I said, well, I, I'm not living here yet, so we are, still going, <laughs> we are still going to my own area. Hallelujah. So bigness depends on your exposure. And so why have I told you all those stories? God will expose you to his greatness by some acts in your life. Are you hearing me now? Because that is very central. So I can quote so much of scripture unto you, but until you have a yearning, I say, Lord, I want to see how big you are. I want to see your greatness. You can never, never go beyond what you have seen. I guarantee you. God may give you a little bit of insight, spiritually speaking, but the greatest understanding of God that anybody can have will be your own personal experience. Hallelujah. May the Lord show you his greatness through some great acts in your life. Are you listening to me? So this month of divine provision, let that be your cry. We still have a few days to go. They've told me, I think in the NIV version, in the book of um, Abaku, where he said, he said, we've heard of your grace. Lord, we have of your fame. We come in awe of your mighty deeds, O oh God. It's the song that I knew, but, you know, it was the NIV version that they put it on. He said, Lord, we heard of your faith. We stand in awe of your wonderful deeds, O oh Lord. Lord, we heard of your faith. We stand in awe of your wonderful deeds. Renew them in our days. What a wise song. Do it in our time. It's enough for me to have heard of so many deliverances we've done before. He saw in, you know, I've stopped people reading stories of revival anymore. And believe me, I've read a few. I read the Island Revival, I read the Lola Revival, I read the American Revival, I read the Awakening, this and that. That is good. The East African Revival, the West African Revival, all over. But Lord, it's about time you do it in my life. I heard of miracles in the neighbor's life. I heard of job you say for somebody. Lord, do it in my life. That is how you really, really know the greatest of God. Am I making sense to you right now? But scriptures, we have one or two examples. I said, if I can't finish, just be, if I can't go beyond the word great, that is okay. In fact, that is very central unto knowing God. You must know God as a great God. Amen. And then that will open the channel of blessing for you. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 21. 
Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 21. You shall not be terrified of them. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God is among you. You know, Moses, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was able to say that. You know the reason why that man saw the greatness of God? My, oh my. I mean, that man saw the greatness of God. And that was why it was very painful to him and very painful unto God, as it were, if you can use that word respectfully about God, that you children of Israel, what do you want me to show you again? I want to show you more of my greatness. When have I spent so much time revealing myself unto you in diverse manners and you can't... Oh, Moses saw God's greatness. I mean, all the ten miracles in Israel culminating in all the firstborn dying. The man God saw almost... I don't think he never got used to it, but it, was, it must have been, wow, God, you mean you will do this until the Red Sea parted? I mean, the man was afraid. Despite all that God has done, not afraid of doubting God, he ran back to God and said, God, what are we going to do? I brought these people out. I mean, it's the worst thing you can have. Pharaoh behind, see in front. How do you survive? And God said, you know what? I'm going to do something that will make you to fear me forever. The Red Sea split. And they all went through on dry ground, the Bible says, on dry ground. And to show that God is God, the foolish Egyptians, they thought they could follow. You know the rest of the story? And they were swallowed. What I'm simply saying is that Moses was not just Moses, but Moses was Moses because God revealed his greatness. Remember his ministry started by saying, put your hand in your bosom and turn to leprosy. Remember? Drop your snake. And so, I'm asking God now. I want to go far with you. But Lord, please reveal your greatness to me. You've shown it sometimes before. I'm going to meditate on those ones. I don't just want to be asking for more and more. I'm going to spend time. Where have you shown yourself great? One of our brothers was sharing how he came Remembering the goodness of the Lord as a three-year-old that the vehicle went over him. I mean, that issue be forever sure in his heart that no harm will come over him. That if God protected him at then, three life near-death experiences I had. So I, I'm never afraid of death. And I pray, you have your own story to tell as well. But there's still more, amen? There's still more. Hear what this man said. About greatness of God. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 22. Second Samuel 7, 22. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. According to all that we have heard with our ears. And I think it was just being modest. I mean, David has David seen enough of the greatness of God in his own right. Oh, he saw, he saw enough. Was it Goliath? Was it the lion? Was it the bear? Was it when, in actual fact, I believe the toughest battle that David faced was not the lion, was not the bear, was not Goliath. I think it was Saul. It was Saul. I mean, he mobilized the whole army against this young boy. But God delivered him. You will have your own story to tell. You will have your story to tell. There are many experiences in the scripture like that. Hear what Daniel said. He said, and I pray to the Lord, God, my, uh, and I pray to the Lord, my God, that's Daniel chapter 9, verse 4, and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandment. Why did Daniel say great and awesome God? Because in chapter 1 of Daniel, he, posed this, he started his journey by, posing, by giving a poser unto their minder, the people that were asked to take care of You know the story? And suddenly, they came better than all the others that were eating the king's portion. So 
God started with him. By the time we got to chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar was looking for his neck to kill him because they could not interpret a dream. By the time we got to chapter 3, I think um, Nebuchadnezzar was after them again. Let me try and flip through now. Um, yes, in chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar was, was humiliated. In chapter 4, I think that was the time in which, um, um, what was that? Yeah, it was humiliated in chapter 4. I think the fairy furnace was in chapter 3, the three Hebrew children. And himself, I think by the time we got to chapter 6, he was cast to the lion's den. All these are landmarks in his life. My prayer for you and I is that we shall have our own experience of God like never before, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The great God is the one. Let me jump now so that we can take one or two more before we go. The great God is the one saying, come so that I may give you out of my storehouse of provision as he did for that widow. Um, learn, learn to read stories, um, just, just ordinary stories of mighty deliverers, even if they don't put the name of God on it. Don't, don't worry yourself. Don't worry. Just look, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of life, James chapter 1, verse 17, in whom there is no variable name that I shall have turned it. Uh, there's nothing good happening in the world that God is not the source of it. I tell you that. The devil may counterfeit it, he may corrupt it. So learn to pick incredible stories of deliverances. It will, it will lift your heart and it will give you a greater understanding of what to expect. But those stories in themselves, they will not make God to be as great in front of you unless you have your own stories to tell. Peter became Peter because of the many instances of the goodness of God and the miracles of God that were manifest in his life. And each of these stories, I, I was prepared actually to dig deep for you, to let us see clearly and, and, and understand the extent of what God can do in the life of a person. So, God is great, amen? Uh, let it be settled in your heart. Nothing is too big for him to do. Yeah, you say, Pastor, I know that. Well, you may know it in your head. I want to, you to know it in your heart. So that if anybody wakes you up, sometimes when we keep complaining, we're actually not complaining against ourselves. Or when we start laying layers of opposite uh, interests that I've not got the miracle is because of what I've done. I've not got the miracle because this case is different. I've not got the miracle because some witches and wizards are after me. I've not got the miracle because of, because of, because of. Usually at the end of it, all you're because of is saying that God is not big enough to take care of all those because of. If it's great enough, if all those you're because of, they will be relevant. And so you could see that we can expose each other now to see that we, are you really, really sure that you think God is as big as he is? Because many a times, if you are absolutely sure, there's no because of that will stop you from just saying, look, God is going to do it. I know him. I pray God will take, because the brother, it's usually good, all those testimonies when they come in, they are life stories you are hearing, so they are not things that are far. If a maker is to stand here, I will tell you all the things that could have made him to be afraid, knowing that this particular retrenchment was more difficult than the redundancy, was more difficult than the previous one. It has so many because of. But you see the greatness of God. Number one, this time around, it was different from the previous ones. Oil is not doing well, and anyway, all the economists are not doing well. So if anybody's going to redundancy now, there's likelihood to think that it's worse than other. There are so many because of. But the man was not dwelling on the because of, simply because he has seen the greatness of God, and in that area of his life, he knows. I'm begging of you today, God will reveal himself as great to you in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Let's take one more, and then if we couldn't go beyond that, that would be fine. Number one, we say what? <clears throat> God is great. So the God that is calling you is what? Is great. Is great, and I can come from other dimensions, just as I'm just trying to save time for us. Great in the sense that he has so much in his possession. He has so much in his possession. His greatness is not just great in power, he's great in resources. When we're singing just now, we're talking about how, how is our resource, is our source. The cattle upon a thousand mountains, they belong to him. All the silver and gold, they belong to him. Ah, you say they don't belong to him. They belong to, uh, the oil belongs to Saudi Arabia or the gold belongs to Botswana. The way you know it does not belong to them is that how easily other people can come and snatch them away from them. That tells you that somebody else actually is ruling the affairs of men. And that's why you said you must be very careful that you don't hold too tightly to the things of this world. It's in somebody's hand today, it's in another person's hand tomorrow. God owns everything and he can divert resources to anywhere he likes, anywhere. That's why if you are struggling today, you are jobless. I am absolutely confident in the Lord. It does not take God 24 hours to turn your story around. Many of you didn't meet that story. Um, there was one of our brothers here. The year was ending. And the Lord spoke and he said, before the year ends, you will get a job. And I don't know how much he believed it, but he must have believed it. And there was an interview he did. Long story cut short, because the word of God must come to pass, eventually got an email <laughs> from the employer around a quarter to midnight on the 31st of December for that year, just for God to prove that he said, this year you will get it. So God, who is sending email at quarter to midnight? Who? If not that God can move them. Let's trust that the greatness of God surpasses all our own fears and our worries. But God will do it in your life, amen? So you can have a good story to tell. Number two, I said God is good, amen? And that one, you like that one a lot. God is good all the time. The truth of the matter is that it was the one I spent the longest time on when I was preparing and asking God. I said, this cliche is good. God is good. What does it mean that God is good? And I started checking references, checking online, checking everywhere. Nobody seems to actually have a good grasp of That's the problem with cliche. Everybody say it. We really don't know. I say, if I'm to explain to a two-year-old, God is good. What does it mean? Um, people came from different angles. I said, Lord, well, explain to me. This is the explanation I got of God is good. I don't think it should as complex as that. God, God is good simply means that God is nice and God is not mean. I think that's a, a five-year-old will understand that one. God is nice. <clears throat> and so everything about God is, is a nice God. You know, some people, they say it's nice. That guy is nice. You know, and some people, they say they are mean. And some of us, you know, we can be mean as human beings for good reasons. Somebody has offended you. And you said, this is the time to get my own back. God is never mean. You never do anything out of meanness. Mean is that you just decide to turn off the tap. I say, because of what you've done. But God is always nice. It's always nice. That is my easiest way of understanding it. Even when it corrects you, there's no mean streak, mean streak in God. But sincerely, there's no other creature that has not got some mean streak in them except God. And so that sets him apart. So when we say God is good, and that's why Jesus Christ, when somebody was trying to talk to him, he said, oh, good master, he said, there's no one that is good except God. Every human being, there's that mean streak in us. Something, somewhere along the line, we want you to just say, let me turn, 
I've seen people, very loving people, working together, loving each other. <clears throat> but because things have gone sour between them, I mean, the kind of words that will come out of their mouth. Oh, you've been there before. You have said it before. You know, we flog them with word. I call it the no clear option. You know? I mean, I have people that are trying to settle situations for them, and the other ones seem to be gaining up, and that's why a third party is always a difficult one, no matter how much, to settle a quarrel. And the other one seems to be making the other one look so bad before the pastor, and ah, it's, not, it's a very common thing, not even one case. So many times it happens like that. And we said, I'm not going to allow you to make me look bad and stupid there. Just dig very deep and brush something very big, not unrelated, and just drop it in the person's path, just to let you know that the man that is talking is not a saint. I'm going to keep your mouth shut here. God is never like that. That is we. We could be mean. We could be mean. He said, well, we came here, I'll be keeping quiet for you. You know, you, you won't walk away from here. But because I know that that's not shocking, after the person dropped the bombshell, my, I was still keeping a straight face. Ah, you mean you will not show any disappointment? And then the thing was, they, they started looking for others to bring. But those ones were not as big. I used the nuclear weapon already. John was just, <laughs> just bringing more. I said, you are saying that's not you can say anymore. You've dropped the nuclear weapon. Is this thing drinking here? I said, Pastor, I said, change your mind. I said, no. That is us. That is you. That is I. We could be me. But God is not me. Are you, are you grasping that now? So that means that your idea that God is after you because of the wrong you have done. He's going to punish you. He's going to do this and do that to you. Perish it. You are talking about yourself and myself. That is not God. That is you. That is I. That's why Jesus Christ says there's no one that is good but God. God stands alone in that respect. No other stands like him. He is good. He is just a nice God. That's why if you remember his niceness, tied onto his love, you should bring tears to your eyes. Why can't you be so nice? Why can't you be so good? Why can't you still take interest in me? Why can't you still just not... Why, when are you going to just stop and say, I'm going to destroy you? And until people... That's why... People that are bad, witches, wizards, wicked people, when you are wishing they die, they don't die. God still gives them the opportunity until the very last minute to repent. You may not like it. I may not like it. How many have I? They're not even witches and wizards. They're not even very bad people. People around us, even in church, who have done incredibly hurtful things to you. And you are silently wishing, when will their problem come, oh God? When will they be brought down? This is not fair, Lord. And some people can be mean, man. Some people can be bad. With their mouth, with their going around and purposely hurting you. And you know they're doing it to hurt you. And yet God does not act. You know why? Because he's good. And his goodness is to all whether you like it or not, his goodness is to all. And we have mentioned it before, even when he's judging people to send them to hell, it's not because he's angry or mean. Yeah, the Bible uses the word God is angry, I will know that. But time we allow us to give us the right perspective and understanding of the anger of God different from the anger of man. Even when he sends people to hell, it's because God knows that heaven will be too clean for them to enjoy. I've mentioned that to you before. So don't, because heaven will be, so I want to say people like that, they can't stand a peaceful environment. 
So people actually choose hell, not because God wants to be, so because like, you, heaven is too peaceful for you. Go to a place of chaos. Then <laughs> there's no meanness in God. So he's the one inviting you to bring all your requests before me. He's the one inviting you and inviting me to bring all our heart's desire before him. Hmm. God is well disposed to you and I. Amen. And he has no wrong plan whatsoever. Let me take just one Bible verse here. And then, that's good. I think we're still, ah, wow, the time is gone now. I might need to rush the last one. We need to close at the right time. Amen. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. You heard that before. For I know the thoughts, I think, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. You should know that by heart now. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. I'm waiting for Jeremiah 29 verse 11. So good is so good. I'm waiting for Jeremiah 29 verse 11. God is so good. Well, I'm waiting. I'm saying God is good. God is. I'm waiting for it. Computer crashed. Hallelujah. Or maybe God wants you to sing. God is so good. God. So good, he's so good to me, hallelujah. God, you are so good. God, you are so good. God is so good, he's so good to me. Oh, we are serving a good God. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thought of peace and not of evil. Wow. To give you the future and a hope. I think I have an alternative version here. If you have it, put it on the screen. The New Living Translation, please. Jeremiah 29, the New Living Translation. Thank you very much. I know the plans I have for you. I know. You see the word know again? Even when God was going to bless man, he said, I know. When he was going to bless Abraham, he said, for I know Abraham that he will command his house. Knowledge is so important. Even God is blessing us on the word no. If there's any part of this message you want to remember, remember. And uh, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Your faith will rise. Your confidence in this good God will rise. And you will begin to flow in that direction in Jesus' name. Finally, God is a giver. Amen. I think we got through the three. Hallelujah. God is who? He's a giver. His hands are wide open to give us all the time. The default nature of God, if there's anything like that, is to give. That's the default nature of God. In addition to verses like John 3, 16, uh, God so loved the world I gave his son. In Romans chapter 8, if he does not withhold his son, I shall you know with him freely give us all things. Psalm 23, verse 5, that prepares the will form in the presence of my enemies. The most instructive verse of scripture for me, actually, about God being a giver, is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. And I will close on that one. Proverbs 3, 27. And I can multiply verses about the largeness and the largeness that comes from God. But here, what the scripture says in Proverbs 3, 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Please, everybody, if it's possible, however, look, look, look at me. Do not withhold good from those to whom 
It is due when it is in the power of your hand to do what? To give it. Always remember, always remember that God will never ask human beings to do what he has not done a billion times over. So when God asks you to forgive, God has demonstrated forgiveness far, far more than you can ever demonstrate it. When God is now telling us in Proverbs 3.27 that you must not hold on to something when you have the ability to give it. That is, when you knock on my door and say, Pastor, there's a serious demand. I need something. If you can please give me a hundred pounds. And genuinely, genuinely, I know your request was sent, and I know that I can part with the hundred pounds, not affecting anything. The Bible says that it is a sin for me to withhold that hundred pounds from you, irrespective. It's within the power of my hand. Power in the means that I, I, can do, I can do away with it, possibly without any serious consequences to me. Now, transport that to God. But we go then do worse than he's asking us to do. If he's got children in his hand, he's in the power to give children. Will he withhold it from you? Maybe if I'm not getting it, maybe because I need to open up unto him and position myself in a receiving position. Why will he withhold job from you when, he, when you know he's been giving job to people? Why will he withhold healing from you when you know he's been giving healing? He's healed many before. It would not withhold. Why, why am I not receiving it? This has got nothing to do with God withholding it, no matter what everybody says. And we can go and start answering the very impo almost impossible question. But I think the easiest answer to it is that everyone in Scripture, they got what they had to get because they grow their faith, the purpose in their mind. And if you will start today, and I will not complain, I will not murmur, I will not run around and try to pray harder, you should pray harder, but I will do only one thing to grow my faith and confidence and trust in the Lord, it will come. That's what I'm sure of. Because God can never refuse faith. Where he sees it, rise on your feet with me. Of course, the greater manifestation of the goodness of God unto us, of the greatness of God, of the giving of God, is of life eternal. And so, and this is not just, as I always say, not just what we must close the service with, is what I believe genuinely in my heart, a message you should hear. The greatest gift, look, whether it is house, it's for a while, if I get old, whether you like it or not, it becomes more difficult to maintain. Whether it's a car, the one that is in fashion today will not be in fashion tomorrow. Whether it's clothing, they are even worse, you know. Uh, they are wearing all sorts of things today that they didn't wear yesterday. All sorts of things. They, they don't like. But the only thing that lasts is the life eternal that it gives unto us. And that is where we derive everything from. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So I'm asking you, I may not have the opportunity to pray for you directly one-on-one, -on -one, but please turn back onto If you've never given your life and you stumble on this message for some reason, whether you're a regular attendee here or you stumble on this message a month, two months, one year time, it's still as valid as I'm preaching today. Make that decision. Just take it from me. That is God that's asking me to tell you ahead of time whenever you are listening. And just say, Jesus, I yield my heart unto you. You are the greatest you are good, and you are the best giver. Please give me that life eternal. Life eternal simply means a new life that is limitless. Limitless life. Give it to me. And if you want us to support you more, we sure there will be means in all the platforms that you are listening to contact us, and they can give you more encouragement along that line. But for the rest of us, one prayer point I want you to pray today.
Amen. And I will pray for us. This month of divine provision, your attitude and my attitude will change for the better. Amen. We will see God in a new light. Hallelujah. And so, you want to pray? I say, Father, today, as you reveal yourself to me as the great God, as you reveal yourself to me as the good God, to reveal yourself to me, as you reveal yourself to me as the great giver, help me to be positioned to receive all that you have for me. In the name of Jesus. Sounds like a lot to take in. Take all the points we've given and ask God to use that understanding, that knowledge that you have gained, which God is going to build upon definitely, to bring you to the place of receiving the very best that he has for you. And you will receive in the name of Jesus. Thank you, eternal Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Rock of Ages, we thank you. The great and mighty God, we worship you. We turn unto you today and we ask, Lord, that with your outstretched hand, that every one of us, as we grow in our knowledge of you, you will rain the heavens upon us. And in the name that's above all names, we shall be filled with the abundance of heavenly provision in the name of Jesus. I speak into situation and circumstances, be changed and turned around for the better. Let Jehovah be glorified in your life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' marvelous name, we have prayed. Amen. God will reveal his greatness to you. Amen. And you will come back and testify in Jesus' name. All right. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.